Bow, bow, down, 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 boom, bow, down, 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 It's our Game of Thrones podcast for season eight, episode five, The Bell. Conveniently, that's the last name of your, uh, your wife. My wife, yes, <laughs> it is, but not spelled like this episode. Yeah, and much, and much, she's much cooler in this episode. <laughs> Considerably cooler this episode, I should say. Oh boy, where to begin? Where are you This thing um i just i mean looking at my notes the first thing i wrote was just jesus fuck (laughs) (sighs) should we start with what we liked okay tell me Uh, what you like all right so um much like last week i thought the first like 15 20 minutes episode were pretty good uh i liked i liked the stuff with varus although i could use a little more i liked the jamie Tyrion scene uh i later on you know i liked the hound aria stuff and overall i like the uh you know the cinematography of this episode i thought that you know there were some slightly clunky cgi scenes but overall i thought the the decision to which they talk about in the after the episode you know the decision to have the perspectives remain with the people on the ground uh overall i think that was a good choice i think getting a little bit more of danny's perspective at some point would have been interesting not in a heroic way but in a why are you doing this kind of way but uh and, uh, I mean, Clay Game Bowl was fine. <laughs> it was a little bit let down in a few ways. I think part of that's just, like, I've been, you know, this has been, like, an internet meme for, like, six years plus that I've been, you know, looking at and waiting for. Uh, so it was always going to be a little bit of a letdown, probably. The mountain looked really bad. <laughs> Ooh, let's tell you what. Let's, we're already spiraling into the things that didn't work. Right, 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 right. Oh, I liked, I liked, uh, Kyburn's death was great. That was good. That was a very classic Game of Thrones. Just like, get the fuck out of here. No one yeah. likes you. Like, uh, I also sort of, I, I would have liked a little, I liked the scene, but I would have liked a little more insight into how John is feeling about Danny. It sort of feels like he's not really in the show right now. Yeah. Like they yes. like couldn't afford him or something. So the, he's really, like, the Reddit jokes were, were you know, the highest paid featured extra in television <laughs> history. That's kind of what it feels like right now. There's a couple characters who feel like that. Cersei kind of felt like that too in this episode, but fine. So, uh, what did you like, Greg? Well, um, I liked that this episode started at nine o'clock. <laughs> um, all of the frames of video appeared to be in the right order. The sound was synchronized with the video. I'm kidding. Uh, no, there were elements of this I love. Uh, I do think that the portrayal of what in another fantasy movie or TV show would have been a climactic fantasy battle filmed from the perspective of the dragon rider, you know, destroying the evil city like this was filmed from the perspective of the people on the ground and you saw how scary and terrible it was, which I like because I like it when this show de-glorifies violence. I like that. I like, so I, I, I like that the conceptual element of that and most of the execution, I think we probably spent 10 or 15 minutes too long in that, that we could have spent elsewhere, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, I think that this the visual elements of Varys's execution were very well done. Drogon coming out of the darkness was a really good image. I thought the visual elements of Clegane Bowl were also awesome, although a little bit derivative. Again, I I wasn't the only person to feel like that whole scene looked a lot like a Dark Souls boss battle, <laughs> which I'm okay with. I'm fine with. Uh, the mountain left a lot to be desired in the way that that monster makeup was actually executed. And there were also, I think, that some of the execution of some of the CG in that scene left a lot to be desired. But in terms of just 
the colors and the concept of it, of them fighting on this stairwell as the castle collapses around them. I like that. Um, even if, yeah, like I say, they, they missed some of the finer points. I like that Euron died. <laughs> you know, man. <laughs> I like that Ooh. he died and I never have to see him on TV again. He should have died off screen in the black I have, corner like the scum let, fucking character he is. Oh, I have a lot to say there. Talking about what we liked. Talking about what we liked. Um, hmm. I agree with you. The scene between Arya and the Hound, I liked in the moment. On paper, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But their interaction, and I think that comes down to the act. Those two have such a great on-screen dynamic that they could be reading the phone book to each other and it would be a great scene. I think the scene between, and the exact same thoughts on the Tyrion Jamie scene, those two actors together doing a great job. The scene itself, Tyrion's motivation for doing what he was doing, that whole larger plot line, absolutely bonkers. But in isolation, that scene itself, great. Um, and I also think that the the scene between Dan and John and Danny in her bedroom where she's, um, you know, talking to him about where his loyalties lie. I think that that scene was actually very well done by him and her, too. Um, for what little they gave her to work with, I think that she did a good job of portraying this character kind of being at her lowest. Uh, some of that goes to the makeup department, but some of that also goes to her. Um, but that scene with them together where he doesn't have a lot of lines in that scene, but you can understand, you can really tell just by his reaction to her, his physical response to her, how much he still wants to be in love with her how much he still wants to be loyal to her but he kind of can't and he's trying to make it work but it's not working for him and he's trying to like hold it together and force it to work but it's not working that was really well done on his part like i i like i really believed him in that scene without and without a lot of dialogue to go on he kind of had to do it all with just his kind of face and his body and in silhouettes you know which I would imagine is not an easy thing to do. So that's my list of likes. <laughs> Most of them qualified likes. <laughs> well, no, I think it's, it's, and this is kind of a larger problem with the show is I think all of these actors do such a great job with their characters and with the scenes that they are given. But those scenes all feel so small and so disconnected and so isolated from everything else that there are these little pockets of brilliance in a sea of garbage you know i i use i I'm, i got a new analogy this week greg you ready for it uh-huh. last week we had the uh the train car analogy or the drive no the, the driving on the highway analogy yes yes, yes. i kind of conflated both those different <laughs> points um this week my analogy is what the show used to be and what it became mm-hmm. the show used to be a finely crafted suit of chain mail with okay. all the little chains interlocked to make a beautiful hole you know weirdly left your nipples and butt exposed but we looked past it, right okay, like sure and instead of putting in the care and putting it all together now they just took you know when they come in and they uh you know when they released an episode released the season or the past couple seasons basically just dump all the chains onto the table of varying size and quality and and don't fit together and go here you go <laughs> Yeah, I um, I I was listening to I think it was the Ringers Game of Thrones podcast today, and one of the hosts on that show made the analogy that the the episodes now feel like the Wikipedia summaries of themselves. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it's just kind of like moving from point to point, and you're getting the high points. You're not really seeing how these things fit together, but you're like, okay, I get it. This happened. 
And then this happened, and I'm not really sure why this happened, but okay, fine, we're moving on. Um, Boy, it's just, it's such a mess. And I think the part that feels so insulting about it is it really feels like Benioff and Weiss are so checked out of this, and they cannot wait for this series to be over and for them to be done with. Uh, That they just seem like they're just plowing through this thing as fast as they can and just hitting the notes that, you know, they know they have to hit so that they can get to the end of it. it. It does feel that way. And it's even like, I feel like in the, like, kind of the early interviews about, you know, the season seven and eight, they were saying like, oh, well, HBO said we could just, you know, they, they said that we can let it run as long as we want. But we really think that, you know, just these two shortened seasons are really all we need. And it's like, dudes, just hand it off. Like, give it to somebody else who wants to give this thing the time and space it deserves. Because I think a lot of people are right that in both of these seasons, you really feel like another one or two episodes and all of this would have been would have been OK. All the things that we feel like we skipped over or that happened too fast. You just feel like we really just need another episode or two. Spread out, spread this out over another episode or two. And we're there. But and this is this episode has exactly that. Like it feels like there needed to be an episode between four and five where we saw more of Daenerys coming unwound. We saw more of the planning for the assault on King's Landing, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of, you know, I said there's in this season and the last season, I think both are that case. And, you know, it's less about, you know, uh, people keep using the term they're rushing it, they're rushing. It. It's less about rushing. I mean, I guess it is, but it, it's more about, like you said, this show has always needed time to breathe. I mean, the first season, the second season of the show was a whole season leading up to a single battle between just two of the, you know, groups, pods, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, two of the story arcs colliding, right? Like Stannis assaulting King's Landing in the Battle of Blackwater. And when that battle finally got there, you felt like you knew not, you know, not everything about that battle, but you really knew what was at stake. You really knew what was happening the whole time, even though it was dark, even though, you know, there's complaints to be made for sure. But like every character that you knew where they stood, there's no real, I mean, there's surprises in that battle that are plot surprises, but nothing that made you go, huh? Right. Like, you know, and that's all this show has been for like three seasons when you take it. And people keep, you know, a coworker today said, well, she's like, you know what? I, you know, when I'm watching this show, I'm I'm really enjoying it. But 10 minutes afterwards, I'm like, that didn't make a fucking lick of sense. Yeah. It's like that has been this show. And I think that and this is I can get more of this later, but I need to overlay this episode with, you know, discussing obviously what we what we're mad about in the episode, but also that I'm meta mad. Yeah. I'm meta mad that all of a sudden, and you know, I've seen things on Reddit and whatever of like pointing out how, you know, this season, you know, this is, this is the worst reviewed episode of all time. And, you know, the past three or four episodes have all been the worst reviewed and look at this decline in the graph of, you know, Rotten Tomato scores or Metacritic scores or whatever, which A, for TV shows are generally worthless. But that aside, you know, and, and Reddit is just having a, you know, Reddit and the rest of the internet is having a field day with just annihilating the show on every level. And it's like, if you put this amount of scrutiny towards the past three seasons, it looks exactly the same. Yes. People are just more upset because it's the end. And once again, just sort of like the, whatever you want to call it, the bandwagoning, the circle jerking, the whatever of the internet and particularly Reddit. Like it, that it's not that it's, it's cool to hate the show. Like, I don't care about that, but just like, it has now become like everyone shifted to, how can we pick apart every little thing wrong with it? 
because now we hate it. Or before it was like, oh, well, we'll try and, you know, find ways around it because, but it's like the, you know, because it, they l- looked cool and it was fun well, at points. I think there's a couple dynamics at play there. One, I think, you know, what we've been talking about as the possibilities collapse, right? And the people who were on board for this because they thought it was going to turn into a fantasy story. Well, they, as, as of the end of the Winterfell episode, um, or the, the long night well those guys now are like well fuck this show this is the show i wanted um now all the people who thought this was going to be daenerys's show are now as of tonight <laughs> you know like fuck it the show isn't what i wanted all of the people who you know and, and you can make a very long list of those people so you got more and more people who are now in the fuck it camp and are ready to hate on the show and stop making i also think that one of the reasons that these last couple episodes have been some of the worst reviewed and maybe the critics are harshest is i think expectations were higher for Mm. this last run of episodes because i think that most people who follow the show seriously know that the end game of game of game of thrones is george r R. martin's end in the broad strokes this is the this is the true ending of the story and that so there were there was people myself included we're holding out a foolish hope that maybe this show would turn itself around in the last couple episodes because all of a sudden we're getting back to George R. R. Martin's plot, right? That Benioff and Weiss were going to have a map again and the show was going to improve. So the expectations were higher. And when it's shown that, no, it doesn't look like it's getting better. <laughs> um, you know, I think people have gotten even sure. Plus expectations of, you know, this build up to, oh, it's a shortened season, but the episodes are longer and the budgets are so high and blah, blah, blah. I'm I'm hoping that I, I thought I just saw this analogy that I'm hoping this is a, a time like a watershed moment for, you know, these really this is the biggest TV show. I mean, yes, ever probably. And as far as by most mix, not longest or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like the biggest in cultural context. right? And I'm hoping that this is a similar moment where remember back in like, I guess it'd be like the mid to late 2000s, like, oh, you know, the aughts. Where like the two the two series I can think of were Spider Man and Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. where the the particularly the third of both those trilogies came out and they were like they had like you know three hundred and twenty million dollar budgets and everyone was just like so on board and they were like so popular and you know they focused on oh we, you know the CGI is crazy and blah 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 and they made them really big mm-hmm. but they didn't bring any substance and those movies both fucking suck. I'm hoping that. And then, you know, people kind of reevaluated and this led into, you know, it might have overlapped a little bit, but into the renaissance of superhero, you know, movies. You probably say like X-Men 3. Like there's this time of like all these things are just kind of like they, they got ahead of themselves and yeah. kind of forgot what made them good because both those series started off good and or good enough. And I'm hoping that this is that moment where as we move forward with a bunch of other fantasy tv shows and genre tv shows i'm hoping that i mean there's so much going on it's hard to compare it to the same place because there's so many players now but hoping that people can kind of go "Mm, let's not do that (laughs) yeah well i think that it will almost be area of scholarship in the future what went wrong with game Mm -hmm. there will be books written about what happened and it will be a fascinating study and and in 10 years when the tell-all books come out about you know the the bad the behind the scenes fights and the you know how checked out you know uh benioff and weiss were you know etc like it's going to be fascinating and i think that the scary lesson for a lot of who are trying to like make a new series like this work 
is the understanding that, holy shit, it is not enough to get guys who are just quote-unquote good at TV to do something. That this requires somebody who really knows what they're doing. And I don't think it's a coincidence that George R. R. Martin was also a TV writer. Mm -hmm. He wrote a lot of television um, before he, you know, kind of went back to novel with with the Song of Fire, Ice and Fire. Um, and not that, you know, Beauty and the Beast, which was probably his biggest TV credit, was ever like a hallmark of great TV. But when he was producing those episodes of Game of Thrones and, you know, working on the scripts and everything else like that, those episodes are much tighter. And because um, I've been rewatching season one, the end. It is night and day. But anyway, let's talk about this episode in particular. Yeah, if we have to. We must. <laughs> um, so I want to start at the beginning. I know we're not going to go chronologically because we never do. But this is a point I brought up at the Battle of Winterfell. But it's even worse here is at the beginning of this setup, I had no idea what the kind of odds were going into the, the characters told me that the good guys were going to win that this was going to be a push-up, which was weird because that is not the feeling I got from episode four. Yeah, I mean, it seems like at the end of in episode four, they've, they've said straight up with the loss of the losses we sustained and, you know, Rhaegal being hurt, we are roughly evenly. Yes. And then in that episode, they go on to lose one of their, you know, dragons, which you can, and their fleet, yes. which you can assume were a big part of that evenly matched. Yes. So thus, it must make them no longer evenly matched. Right. And we see the menacing, the many, 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 many menacing shots of you know, dozens of scorpions. I hate calling them scorpions. Yeah, let's call them ballista. ballista. Yeah. Ballistas on ships and around King's Landing and, you know, this golden company we've been hearing so much about that's 20,000 of the yes. best soldiers in the world and whatever the size of, I mean, it would have been, you know, a little bit helpful to know how big the Lannister army was, but whatever. Like, and so we can only assume that we are in, we, the heroes the, are on the back yes. foot. The odds have gone from even to bad. And that was definitely the feeling coming out of episode four. But then we get into episode five and everybody's talking about this battle like it's going to be a cakewalk. And number one, I was like, that's a weird shift from where we left off the last episode. Because I was I, at the end of the last episode, I was excited because I was like, man, this is going to be interesting because it seems like military options are off the table now because King's Landing is dragon proof. And, you know, Daenerys's army is crippled and, you know, blah, 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 blah. blah. Uh, but then we get to this one. We're like, no, 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 it's gonna be great. We're going to win. But there was other than characters just telling me. There was nothing about the way it was presented, nothing in the music, nothing in the uh, framing, anything that made me feel like, yeah, we got this. I was just confused. And that's just bad, like bad TV making. You know, going into a battle, I should have a sense of, oh, no, I don't know how our heroes are going to make it out of this. Or, you know, a sense of confidence, like we've got this. We're going to, you know, this is it. This is our chance to turn things around. But this one, I was just like, OK, I guess we're going to fight. All right. Hey, kind of seems weird that nobody's talked about how they're going to deal with the ballistas because that seems like an issue. But OK, I guess we're just doing this. Here goes. Um, so I didn't like that. No, and, and it really and we you know get there. But I think one of the biggest problems of the episode is that, like, listen, I'm you know, I, I feel like every week I'm lowering my the scale in which I am grading. Right. I'm just like, all right, well. Clearly, we've given up on some, you know, some of the more gritty logic based things that I came to expect from the show. So I can look past some of the stuff like last week with the surprise attack and the, you know, 
you know, losing the dragon so yes. quickly. And some, like, I can look back, some of this hand wavy, just like, we just need to get through this part. And it's like, okay, whatever. But when they did that here, it, it removed a lot of dramatic tension in the early, begin, like the early middle of this episode and made for the la- like latter half of the episode, it didn't set that up in any real way. Yeah, the, the hand-waving is getting absurd because it's one thing when they would have to hand-wave away certain plot threads that George R. R. Martin had set up that they knew weren't going to be relevant to the end game and they were just going to kind of let it lie. You know, back in like, season six and seven when they just kind of had to uh, like so they like the dire wolf right Mm -hmm. i don't love the way the dire wolves have been handled but look you got to make cuts so we're all kind of like okay it's fine yeah you're gonna but that is they are sweeping up george r R. martin's mess and even if you have to clean up your own mess between seasons where you realize halfway through like geez um these characters are all really far apart from each other and they need to be closer together. So they're just going to be closer together when the seasons, even that you're like, okay, fine. You know, like you write these things a season at a time. What I don't understand is how you write in episode four that the ballistas work against dragons. Watch out for those ballistas dragons. Cause they're a problem to then season five be like, Oh yeah, no dragons beat ballistas easy. You guys, don't you remember what happened here? Just between episodes, you guys wrote these episodes all at one time. Why is it that you couldn't decide whether or not the ballistas work? And it would have even, I would have been able to okay with that if they just would have been like, if they would have done something clever, right? Like they made a, I don't know, they made a fake dragon that distracted, I don't know, something ridiculous, just like, or she wandered in the ocean and came out or something crazy. I'd be like, whatever, like just, but literally it was just, I'm just going to fly directly at them and blow them up. And it's just like, oh, yeah, like... If I come at them from a different angle, it will be. F- yeah. And it just seems, I mean, it, when it was even like they, they even tried to play the first showing up of like, oh, well, you know, a, there's no real reason for this dragon to come like over the ocean. Like, why don't just like f- take the long way? So you just avoid the iron fleet altogether. But anyway, like I, they even tried to go for like, oh, it's kind of like flying out of the sun, but they didn't even do that. In any sort of like, you know, like, oh, we're blinded by the sun and then it flew out of it or something. It just was just like, yeah, it's just coming at you guys. And right. I, I don't know. And, and that then, works for, t- even if you're like, okay, cool. She found a good tactic to take out the Iron Fleet, you know, fine. But then she just, the other hundred ballista on the city walls, you know? Yeah. It's just, just nothing. Yeah. And just to make, to, to, to just hand wave that all away just is bath. Like, why why go through all this effort to make King's Landing look dragon-proof if it's not actually dragon-proof? Yeah. And, like, why were people so worried? Why are people so worried last episode? Why do we even care the other two dragons are dead besides the emotional impact on her? Because clearly, they only needed one. Right. Or, would this plot have gone any differently if if she had all three? Or just two? It doesn't matter. Right? Yeah. And, And, I mean, one other thing I think that they sort of made a mistake of, and, you know, which I'm going to call the uh, the power of the dragon flame, which is a rhapsody song. So you of listen course, up. it is. Um, <laughs> was they, like not only making it this like super hot, you know, fire is that it also has this like incredible kinetic power to like take down walls and towers. Like, yeah, it's like a lightsaber now. Right. It's like why not? Like, and especially when you think about things like just internal consistency. Like, you know, Heron Hall is supposed to be this like burnout husk, but like the towers are still standing because, like, you know, I mean, yes, like eventually fire will burn through supports and cause structural damage right like you know jet fuel can't mount steel beams or something but you know what i mean like well it, it, i know i'm kidding um yeah no 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 but i mean well Hall, like that is the 
is is that this is is the stones and the towers had started to melt right but that was only after they got like a constant barrage from Balerion the dread the biggest meanest dragon ever right so to see you know Danny being able to just like blow holes through walls and take down whole towers just seemed like it would have made it at least more interesting. Like, well, we can at least take out the ballistas and the guys, but we still need to breach the walls. So there's right. just, it just adds another level of complexity that just like just completely remove like, ah, and also make it an explosion. Here you go. I was a little bit taken aback by how destructive Drogon was because, yeah, it seemed I do think you could have had more interesting stories if his power level was a little lower. To me, I was more it was more just it was I felt like we just saw him in two episodes fighting the zombie. And in that episode, you really got the impression that like maybe dragons aren't the super weapon they're cracked up. To. Yeah. You know, like they do get wounded and have to limp away and they can get overwhelmed and those sorts of things. And you're like, OK, but then all of a sudden in this episode, Drogon is invincible, can dodge arrows his you know he's got nuclear breath now it just seems like it's inconsistent episode to episode which right. and i'm not just trying to be a nitpicky shithead about it, but these things matter because all fiction needs to have internal consistency in order to keep you interested and make you understand the stakes yeah and i heard multiple people start starting to pull like the you know i mentioned this couple episodes ago with like the well, we're watching a show about zombies and it's like and dragons it's like no like this is how this is what this is what relegates bad storytelling is what relegates genre fiction to the sidelines right like you don't need to do stupid stuff just because you have fantasy or spaceships or whatever like okay. right like a, 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 a vampire story where the first half of the story the vampires and you know weak to sunlight and then the second half, it just hurts him a little bit. Like, that's a bad story be for anybody because you need to know the rules of the vampire in order to care about what's going on. If the rules change every 10 pages, the story gets boring. This is basic. And so when you have these inconsistencies about what the dragons are capable of, what they're weak to, what they're strong to, it stops being interesting. And even Tolkien, who was the highest of high fantasy writers, he gave his dragon a weakness you know uh he, he he's got a soft spot on his belly where a scale is missing and if you can get an arrow in there you got it. and then they shot an arrow into the soft spot and lo and behold they got the dragon and they established that the dragon is prideful and likes to play little games so you have the riddle game part of that story and you don't have midway through all of a sudden the dragon uh decides that he doesn't like playing riddle games anymore and now he wants to wrestle. You know, it's consistent. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, it's just inconsistent. And it doesn't. And then not only does it hurt the internal consistency of the show, but it is one major one of a couple major falls in what is obviously the core of this episode, which is Danny's heel turn. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about the heel. Turn. So where do I begin? <laughs> and we'll start with this by saying that as if you listen to the previous episodes, this is what we wanted to have happen. Yes, yes, more yes. More or less. I think we're slightly different pins. I think I think you wanted you correct me if I'm wrong, but you sort of are completely okay with like full on Danny genocidal maniac. I was looking for something a little more, um, more like at least at this point with what we've been given for with her character, it would have made more sense to have more of like the debate surrounding. You know, when the Allies in World War II firebombed Dresden and Tokyo or dropped the nuclear bombs on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Like, we need to do these things. It's the horror of war. A lot of civilians will die. But 
here is the reasons why we should do it. And, you know, those things are still debated this day on whether they were effective or worthwhile or not. And I think that in a situation where, for example, and this is not the only way, there's a million ways I thought of today of how this thing, how any of this could put put out better, but have a situation where, you know, in last episode or maybe two episodes, I think last episode, they said like, oh, you know, like Dorne's declared for you and so has the Reach and like, you know, if they say like other armies are coming, although the show has decided to ignore that anything else happening anywhere where our heroes are not, um, like, let's just wait it out. Like, we don't need to risk Drogon. We don't need to risk hurting the people. Let's just wait them out. We don't have to siege them. We'll just wait till we get enough people that it's just an overwhelming advantage and we'll win. And, you know, the Iron Fleet's only able to supply so much, whatever. And then you say, and that's John's point of view, right? Let's just, let's just caution slow and last episode you know danny's like no we have to attack now because every day she grows stronger a show us yes b that's her point say okay well maybe danny has a point they have to attack now and collateral damage be damned and then that happens and a lot of collateral damage happens and you're like oh my god this is terrible but this just like i'm going to just like indiscriminately kill everyone in the city seems like a little bit too far for Given what we've got so far with her character. So this is another, I, I, I mean, just to, for both of us on record, we are totally fine with the idea of Daenerys going evil in this episode. I think we just disagree on how to get there, right? Well, and like the level of evil, sure. right? Like I'm more for like, we've not, like Danny has like, you know, I, all these things. There's not this big debate, right? Is, was this a earned or not? Was this, you know, out of the blue or not? Like there's not the internet has taken sides of like, whether or not Danny's story was well told of this fall from grace or, or this hero's journey into a, a mad one, essentially. And I, like I said, I, I didn't want her to become her father. I didn't think that was where her story was going to end up. I think it was going to be more of like, less of like a, the coin toss metaphor where it's like, you're either crazy or you're a hero. Cause that's not what game of Thrones is about. Right. I think it's more about like, she was being, you know, she's always been very mm, pragmatic might be a euphemism, but you know what I mean? Like, She's always been very aggressive to pursue the things she thought were right. And we can disagree with those things. Usually we're on the side of like, yeah, that seems right. You should burn those slavers or, you know, oh, maybe crucifying all those slavers. Maybe a little overboard, but like, I see what you're going for. Like, as opposed to just like, I'm just going to burn women and children. So I think a big problem with this scene in isolation is we didn't get any sense of what was going on in her head. We had no idea what her reasoning was here. In other scenes where she has done cruel things, she has had someone standing next to her talking to her about it. So you hear her reasoning. We didn't get any of that in this episode, obviously because there's no one for her to sit there and talk to. But there was also nothing else um, other than her having kind of a panicked, exasperated look on her face, which also were like, wait, why? You just just won. Right. Like we didn't have enough sense of what what was going on for her. So it's tough. I also think that we could have used, again, another episode where she does something where we escalate from her burning the Tarleys to doing something even more in the gray area in this episode four and a half before we get to this. Yeah. And I, I will say that I'm I am okay in theory with a full Mad Queen Danny ending, but both this whole series and this season and this episode would have had to do a lot more for me to be find that a believable transition. Yeah. As and, opposed to what I had laid out. And when I think of her as as Mad Queen, I'm not thinking of 
of her in the like you know full-on cartoon crazy person you know i'm thinking of she is she has developed a level of ruthlessness that cersei had you know she has just but for her there is still a logical justification for the mass murder right like if cersei would have surrounded the red keep in civilians with ballistas on top and in order for them to break in or whatever some some contrived which shows no problem doing some contrived situation where danny has in her mind no, no choice, choice but yeah. to burn these people to further the goal of freeing the kingdom or even even if even if it's not a she thinks she's doing good but she's really doing evil even if i just got more of a sense of her emotional um reasoning so again to use the cersei example when she concocts that incredibly cruel torture for um Valaria Sand, you know, that's evil. But you understand Cersei's emotional motivation. She blames Ilaria Sand for the death of Myrcella, not only for the death of Myrcella, but then the emotional pain that caused Jamie to have to watch Myrcella die. Mm-hmm. Now, do we do we agree that do we as the, the audience agree that Cersei's call was good one? No. We know that what she did was evil, cruel, but we know how she got there emotion, right? We see her internal love and i would even be happy with just something like that in this scene with danny where like one of the alternatives i concocted was because they kind of get there maybe a little but it doesn't land because you do see a shot kind of from her perspective of the people in the streets running away and if this is somehow a moment where she realizes that these people hate her and fear her as much as they hate and fear cersei and she just says fuck it if you're gonna hate me and fear me i'll give you a reason to hate me and fear me and because she's already we've established earlier in the episode like um you know she 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 feels rejected by westeros um so she so now she has come to reject it in return okay I don't agree with her choice of action, but you can understand the emotional journey she goes on. So you give us a scene where, you know, she tries to do her big folk hero. I am the breaker of chains. You know, she's sitting on top of Drogon on top of the battlements and she tries to give her big speech because she thinks she's going to be greeted as a liberator. Um, Not to put too fine of a point on it. But then the crowd turns and they start, maybe they start throwing rocks at her or what have you. And she looks down and she sees that they're afraid of her and they hate her. And then she snaps and just, you, you ungrateful cretins. And, you know, if, if, if you can't appreciate me, you will, you'll all burn. Like that would have worked for me. I don't need to sympathize with the choice, but I need to understand the emotional state. And this episode really didn't give that. Enough. Yeah. I mean, literally any reason yeah as like rather than absolutely nothing because that's what feels like to me i'm just like and it really you know against what i said earlier about being in the episode and being like entertaining in the time and i was literally just going i don't know why she's doing this yeah like i don't know why this is happening and in some ways that made it feel like particularly horrific because it's just like but it just it was so immersion breaking because yes. i just like couldn't put it i couldn't get it out of my head the whole time so it made some really compelling, you know, cinematography and the stuff with Arya was was interesting. Um, you know, I, I just was like, I can't, I don't, I don't get any of this. You yeah, know, it's just not, it's not landing for me at all. I didn't exactly, and and it's a understanding why she's doing this just didn't didn't work. And I think that if they had given that moment a little bit more time, if they'd set it up a little bit better, um, take the stuff with Arya, the scenes of running around the city, what I'm calling the Black Hawk Down part of the, because it. <laughs> really felt that way yeah um was was well done derivative 
but well done. But I also feel like I saw the same scene too many times. Like, how many times is Arya gonna... Oh no, did Arya die? Oh no, she's fine. She's just dirtier now. Like, I feel like we went through like five loops of that. And maybe if we'd done three loops of that, and given those minutes to the Daenerys scene, this would have been much better. Right. Um, or, you know, you know, maybe we only needed 10 shots of civilians being burned alive yes. as opposed to 30, right? right? Like, save some of that budget for, you know, give me, give me that, give me a scene with, uh, with ghosts in episode three where he gets to actually fight something or do something. <laughs> yes. You know, save that CGI budget, right? Like, yeah. So or, I, or dedicate this episode to something, one of my other uh -huh. side of the Danny stuff, which, you know, Cersei, Jamie, we can go oh boy. Over with this, but. Oh boy. I'm not sure which of these is the greater sin. I have softened a little bit on the Cersei, Jamie, and I think since the Danny heel turn is, is sort of like the crux of this whole show. It's, it's really the, you know, the point at which this is the climax of this, of this story. And for it not to land is, it's criminal, right? It, it's criminal that it, it doesn't, that both for, and, and this is coming from someone who, like you said, like we said, this is what we wanted to have happen. And there's a lot of people who have been quote unquote team Danny and they're, you know, naming their kids after her and all they love her right like and they're they're horrified and super mad but like this is what we wanted to happen and we're still it's still not working for us which is a problem well so i i mean to me it's working in the in the broad strokes um i almost feel like because i could i could make the argument that the daenerys heel turn was sloppy in its execution but got to where got to a place that made sense for the character was it paced correctly no could we have used a little bit more build up was the actual moment of it sloppy yes but it is a logical conclusion for the character you cannot say the same thing about jamie i agree i i think in theory so you know jamie all of our postulation about the reasons for jamie leaving and the mental gymnastics all for naught he really was just returning to cersei um no ul ulterior motives and which to your point about the earlier jamie Tyrion scene makes it feel you know not as good um but i'm okay I'm, I'm in theory i'm okay with a you thought jamie was on a redemption arc it does not in it and he's not like and to be fair like he went back to cersei and that was only five episodes ago that he left right like so it's not I mean, it belittles that moment when he does leave, because now I'm just like, oh, he just goes back like that. And that was a very that was one of my favorite scenes of last season. Yeah. And partially just acting, which is, I thought was a really well done scene. And, you know, one thing I will say is that I'm curious if this is, you know, if this is part of the ending. It's hard to know what is part of the ending that George R. R. Martin has in mind and told them versus what he just didn't go into detail about, because it seems like the Jamie in the books, at least where we left off with him, is much further along in his arc of not wanting to be having to do a Cersei than what happened in the show, where it was a lot more waffling in the middle, towards the middle end, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about that. So, but let's just assume for now that this is what happens. I, I'm okay with that in theory, but I don't think they, they earned anything. I mean, I don't really care that Cersei didn't get some, like, you know, vengeance porn death like all the other villains did. You know, because everyone, you know, oh, I, it wasn't satisfying. I wanted to have Arya kill her. I wanted to have this person kill her. She should have been, you know, whatever. Like, people are mad that she can get flayed alive on screen. Fine. Like, and I'm okay with that. But I I just don't really think that they did any, like, it was just so, Jamie's 
transition and transition back happened so quickly yeah. that it, it just seems like they didn't really know what to do with him. No, and I, I think for me, one of the most frustrating parts was that based on the, the path Jamie Lannister has been on for the last, the entire, you know, the, the, the entire show. Yes, he's relapsed the couples and gone back to Cersei, but every time he learns that she's gotten right, he, he falls, you know, and then you really feel like he had a break, like, he went up north to fight ice zombies, thinking he was going to die. And then he reconnects with all these people who are like his genuine friend. He has his connection with Brienne. And then what changes his mind? We don't know. This isn't it's supposed to be the thought of Cersei dying. Right. But but it's unclear because how the fuck is that happen. the first time that crossed? It? Right. Yeah. And so he's on this trajectory. But then what? But and then even if we're doing this like. He just, at the end of the day, he just couldn't beat it. That's okay, but I need to see it on the screen. I need right. to see what he's going through that makes him change it and that, and, and what makes him throw away all of the work he's done to become a better person and to get to that point. And instead, he has a fight with Euron. What it's, 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 it's mind boggling. And you could also, you could just have him kill Cersei and then they both die in the, in the, in, in the tower. Like, and then the plot is in the same place it was, but it's a much more poetic ending to their, to their story. I, somebody else, I was reading some analysis, so this isn't mine, but it's a really good read on it, is that the story is that Jamie and Cersei start the story as moral equals, right? They're both equally shitty. But as the story goes, he gets better, she gets worse. Right. But then this episode brings them back together as equals they die as again but she doesn't come up to his level he doesn't come down to her level there's no movement it's just oh i guess this is what we're doing fine okay good these guys are off the board next yeah and here's the other reason that i didn't like the way this played out is that cersei in this episode was so like i don't know a better word than just like impotent but just like this is the cersei we know that gives seething speeches and you know concocts elaborate ploys and plans and to just stand there yeah. and then kind of cry and then you know basically fall apart until jamie comes to rescue her is just not she, she's just not totally, the cersei we we've been built up to watch this whole show she's been totally passive yeah like what has she done since she blew up the set i mean i guess plan the attack you know the surprise attack but the, you know last in episode four which which fine like you know she came across so smug and i was like okay like i'm ready to see these people face off after that yeah but then just just nothing yeah it's like it's like they just it's like i expected them someone being like line yeah line like what are we doing and, and like you know fuck you're on and fuck that stupid scene and like ugh, i'm the man who killed jimmy Sarah. god just i saw someone people on reddit call him the pornhub pirate trashy and vulgar and it's like yep that's <laughs> about it like i just uh i said it. i don't need to go into it like last time but that scene just didn't add anything it didn't accomplish anything it, it didn't mean cool. anything like Ugh. It was awful. Jamie's wounds didn't matter, right? Because it's not like um, he, it's not like they prevented prevented him and Cersei from reaching the lifeboat. And second of all, they're gonna cross the whole narrow sea on that boat. Yeah, what the hell are we talking about here? Um, it's not like you know th there was this grand moment where they were almost there, but he died steps away, right? Right. That didn't matter. Um, also, Cersei's baby didn't seem to matter nope, at all. Like, nope. If that would have been any sort of justification for anyone's actions, Jamie's or Euron's, or like if, if Euron would have been like, I'm going to go save my baby, and then Jamie said, oh, it's mine, and they get a fight. Like, even that would have been a little bit more interesting. Right. Or if you could have had, and you could have had, even if you, for some reason, 
you absolutely had to have Jamie and Cersei hugging as the castle fell down on Even if that was for some reason important, you could have him like when he shows up to rescue her and she's like, oh, you came. And he's like, yeah, not for you. I came for the baby. Then at least you still feel like he's a good guy. Right. And um, and then you can still have that ending. Um, Euron should have just died on the ship. And then we could have saved five minutes of that stupid fight scene that ended up having nothing to do with anything. It's not like Jamie. If only he'd gotten there five minutes earlier, everything would be different. Nope. It's not like, oh, if only he'd gotten there and hadn't been stabbed, things would have been different. Nope. Didn't need to do anything. If Euron had died on the ship, Danny would have gotten revenge for Rhaegal. We never would have had to see Euron again. And we would have gotten three minutes back to have... I don't know, some kind of character development in this episode. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're right on all counts. And so, I mean, that is something that, I mean, that whole, it's, it's I mean, it's a lot like Dane's situation. You could have gotten there for this to work for some reason. Um, and because that's part of me, my initial reaction was just like, that's not what I wanted to have happen, right? To our earlier collapse of past, but I was like, I wanted Jamie to kill. Her. And, you know, I think there could have been something, my concoction for this to make this better and fit in the whole grand scheme of things was that, you know, Jamie gets to Cersei much earlier because doesn't have to fucking deal with Euron fuckboy. Like, and he gets up to her. The fight is still going on. She said, you know, and then the fight's ending. Like, it's 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 become evident that they've... And this is not my idea. I will not take credit for it. You know, this idea has been around for a long time. But, like, Cersei's going to go full Mad Queen herself and has buried, you know, Wildfire. And she's going to, you know, nuke the city in order to kill Jon and Danny and the dragon and everybody else. And because she's crazy and doesn't, you know, annihilus at this point. Jamie stops her by killing her, probably and gets killed himself in the process or something. And then Danny, for a better reason, nukes the city anyway. And that juxtaposition of being like, wow, she did exactly what Cersei was going to do would be even more like poignant. Yes. Just one idea. Yeah. I, there's so many better ways to get to whatever they're trying to get to without having to like throw away the last three episodes like they didn't happen. It just it's so weird. I don't understand why they are retconning their own episodes from this season. Yeah. I, it, it's like they just wrote them all in order and they didn't have time to go back and make changes. These are due tomorrow. The guys right. with the cameras are showing up and we're not finished. <laughs> I just don't get it. So, I mean, that pretty much covers it. Like I said, I did like, I really liked the scene with Arya and the Hound. And I, for me, I think it made sense. I like that if this is the final part of her character journey of abandoning this this goal of vengeance and being Arya Stark and, you know, not no one. Yeah. So I think that's fine. I mean, we kind of done it already, but I'm okay <sighs> to do it once more because it was an important, it was a good scene and it was fine. Whatever. Yeah. I think that, so other people have pointed out, it's kind of weird that why did the Hound wait to have that talk with her until they were halfway up a crumbling castle? <laughs> like they've presumably been on the road from Winterfell to King's Landing for a month. Like they haven't had this conversation. Like he hasn't like tried to talk her out of revenge yet. So that's was a little weird. I guess you could sum it up with the idea that it was only once they got into the castle and things are like falling apart that the situation gets dire enough where he's like, yeah, you are definitely if you go through with this, you are definitely not making it out of here. So maybe now's the time to rethink. Yeah, I'm a little bit OK with that. I would have loved to have seen more of their time on the road together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think overall it was a good um you know and there was some good you know good symbolism throughout the episode like the crump you know the map on the floor of it cracking while Cersei stands on and there, you know there's some stuff yeah that, like you know like we said like there's like this season has had strong moments and the show has never lost the fact that it has strong individual moments whether in a vacuum or even in the context but you know these individual pieces can't save the whole 
No. Even if even if next week's a like you know if someone asked me today like what would next week have to do to make you like to salvage this I'm like it can't. No, it like, can't. It, there's just nothing it can do no. that that like can salvage this at this. Point. They can have strong moments and things I probably really like. You know maybe maybe this the whatever we have to do to resolve the situation with John and Danny is really cool and interesting. Like that's still not going to undo the damage done in this episode to her character. Yes. And and there's no the only way that this episode could like somehow make up for it would be one of those, you know, like a lot of mystery movies will end or the saw movies like to end with this kind of elaborate rewind and we're going to show you all these scenes from earlier on that you didn't see that's going to make this all make sense, you know? Yeah. But number one, that's not how Game of Thrones works. Number two, there is no way these things make sense, right? There's no there's no little afterwards explanation of, oh, here's why Drogon could take out the ballistas in episode five when he could in episode four. You know, right. There's no working backwards here. I mean, am I going to watch it? Yeah. Am I kind of interested to see what comes next? Yeah, because I do like it when this show puts me in a situation where I do have to wonder how our how our heroes are going to get out of this jam. Um, yeah, because it is an interesting spot because it's like, well, you know, clearly leading towards. I mean, I think Arya probably has a new target. Oh, for sure. You know, John is obviously and Tyrion both know that they made a mistake in Davos. Like anyone left knows they made a mistake, but there's still that dragon. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing that I was that I was thinking about is that at this point, Danny is invincible, right? We've King's Landing, the best defended, strongest, richest city in the Seven Kingdoms, couldn't stand up to a dragon attack, and they were ready. For it. Right. So Daenerys and Drogon, if any lord in the Seven Kingdoms wants to stand up nope sorry you're done it just Mm -hmm. so and that goes for all of our heroes in king's landing um she has all the cards right and she's also proven that she does not give a fuck about innocent people so you can't do something like well what if what if john rallies all the citizens of king's landing to overthrow her she she doesn't she'll burn them all to death she doesn't care yeah um now again i'm saying all these things speculating about the next episode like this show has narrated narrative consistency and logic which it's proven time and again it does not same thing with like before this episode we were saying like oh it's gonna be really interesting because they can't just do a full-scale assault on king's landing because of all the things they established in this episode so i mean the next episode could start and all of a sudden um john has six dragons of his own you know it doesn't matter nothing matters um but there are a couple things that I think need to happen in the next episode um, without presupposing the ending that I, which is an abol an abolition of the imperial um, monarchical system and Jon Snow going north to be with Tormund and his dog. Uh, it's the ending I want, but without presupposing, these are just things like kind of storytelling boxes that I feel feel need to be checked. One. John needs to fill his character. That probably ends up with a confrontation with Danny, but I'm just saying it needs to happen. Sansa needs to complete her character arc. Like, Sansa needs to do something. So we need to get Sansa back. I'm worried that maybe her something was what she did last episode, telling Tyrion. I hope. Yeah, I hope not too, but I'm, I'm, I have a sinking suspicion that that might be the last bit we see from her. But I mean, I think we'll see her, but I think the last important thing, but who knows? Um, I think Arya needs to do something, but I don't, I really, I'll be disappointed if it is surprise killing another big bat. Yeah. I feel like you get one of those. <laughs> Um, we do need to have to deal with Drogon, and I'm not sure how the show addresses that. Yeah, I mean, I guess if there's a situation where 
Perhaps if the dealing with Danny is more done at a personal level and Drogon's still around, but seems to, you know, if he doesn't mind John, I, I just can't imagine that being that Drogon is Danny's closest, yeah. for lack of a better term, dragon, I can't imagine that he's going to be like, oh, different owner, cool, whatever. Yeah. He's not, he's not ghost, apparently. Um, like, I find that hard to deal with, but I also don't see any other way around big motherfucking dragon. Yes. And Danny has two armies essentially of like fanatics right she's got the unsullied and the dothraki who are not gonna just surrender yeah you know they these are you know these are you know these kind of weirdos who are bound to her by these deep bonds of loyalty and their own weird customs and systems which you know don't really help <coughs> that's fine at least i finally this actually closed a pothole for me like why are the dothraki here like why do they sort oh yeah they get to rape and pillage in the city king's lending I guess they did get to fulfill their, like, you know, what they wanted to do to come over here to do, right? Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's not like if, you know, let's say Jon Snow, you know, kills Daenerys and saves the kingdom from her tyrannical rule. Like, there's still two elite fighting forces that are lo- fanatically loyal to her. Mm-hmm. So that all needs to get dealt with. Um, and I think Daenerys has to die. I don't think yeah. she comes out of this okay. Uh, and that's a lot to cram into 80 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how this all shakes out. Yeah, I I think that, I mean, I think they can probably hand wave the armies because clearly they've been doing that for about three seasons now. Like, oh yeah, there's enough Northmen to fight him. Okay, probably. Sure, like, yeah, they could, maybe, I guess. You know. Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, Sansa comes down with more help. Yeah. Um, those Glovers we, we missed out just, on so much. I cannot watch another battle episode. I can't do it. Uh, at least there was less battling in this one and just more, you know, roast innocence, which is way better. Uh, yeah, I think that, um, I think that Tyrion has to do something. Yeah. If he doesn't, what a, what a bad arc for his character the last couple seasons here. Just like mistake after mistake after mistake after being wrong after, you know. Yeah. And no sense of his motive. Right. Just like blindly loyal to Danny for some reason. Yeah. And, like, still, for some reason, seems to care about his family, even though, like, fuck those people. Like, Right, right. And and I, I could have used a little bit more in that scene with him and Jamie, where, <coughs> you know, Tyrion says to Jamie, like, I'm not doing this to save Sir. I'm doing this to save you. But I know you won't leave here with it. So, because I love you, my big brother, so much, mm-hmm. I'm willing to let her go free as well. But she's right. a fucking mom. Rather than this weird sense of, like, why is Tyrion trying to save Cersei? Yeah. So I, I could have used a little bit of that, but yeah, but I think yeah. he needs to have something and um, yeah, we need something more from him, but I feel like those are the only boxes to check, but I've seen some, some, you know, heard some ideas of, of like, well, you know, John kills Danny and maybe he dies in the process that leaves, you know, maybe that there's some, you can make some contrivance to have Tyrion and Sansa who are, you know, I guess you could say technically married in some sort of ruling capacity, which would be an interesting end. But uh, that also seems a little bit like forced. Yeah, I just feel like, well, and again, thematically, Jamie should have killed Cersei. But thematically, they need to they need to get rid of the throne. The throne is the one race. Mm hmm. And it is the it is the symbol of corruption and evil, and it needs to be destroyed. And I feel like John is the only one who's kind of there in terms of his philosophy, mm-hmm. or he, he could be there. You know, like I feel like he could get there. Um, so I feel like he has to do that. I, I just I, yeah. I feel like this has to end with John destroying the throne and then disappearing. I could see a really like you know towards the end of the episode like an epic Jon Snow speech about the horrors of the throne yes and what it's done to these people and what it's done to Danny and what it's done to you know and then 
you, he destroys it, and then he's yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I guess there's, and I guess you know, I guess Bronze still out there somewhere, right? Like, I feel like was was that just a one-off scene in episode four, or what do you mean, or three, where Bron, you know. Oh, Bron. I always, you yeah. say Bron and I hear Bran. Oh, sorry. I must have a weird way of saying it. But yeah, I don't think we'll see Bran at all. But <coughs> Bron of Blackwater. Yeah. No, I yeah. hope we don't. I just, I don't need that loose end tied up. I didn't need yeah. it. I didn't need him at all. We could have 10 minutes back in this season to use on other things. Yeah. Yep. 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 As with many things. But which, you know, to people who say the, the show is rushing it's like yeah but there's a lot of things we could have done to make be more it's, economical it's, it's it's rushing in all the wrong places and stalling us yeah so i mean i yeah you know once again we're at the same place we were in the past few episodes we're like i'm not really sure what's going to happen the next episode i you know i do hope that it can do some cool things in the last episode where it's not a complete atrocity uh show endings are hard man like you know people always talk about there's a lot of discussion like what show has ended well and for me that's that list is very short and you know i can think of uh, what would be on my list what would be on your list Greg? what are shows that you like that ended really well breaking bad Mm -hmm. uh star trek the next generation i think the list of ones that end badly is probably longer than the list ones that ended well someone i saw today said like honest you know i'm not watching the i'm not watching game of thrones but on a scale of lost of battlestar galactica how poorly is this ending and everyone's like isn't that just the same like (laughs) like, the same thing which is true um i my list would be like you know breaking bad uh spartacus ended really well but once again, you knew exactly how that was going to end, which is helpful. Yeah. Everybody dies. Uh, Buffy ended pretty well, in my opinion. Like, the last season was not the best, but, like, the actual ending was like, okay. Um, yeah, like I said, the, the list is not very, at, le- at least of, like, dramas or genre fiction. There's comedies, I think, that have ended okay. But, uh, yeah, this will not be one of them, I don't think, overall. Yeah, it's going to be tough to get a satisfying ending out of this because the proper groundwork was not. Mm-hmm. I do think thematically an ending where, again, the break the throne ending is the thematic ending that makes sense to me. But that's going to piss a lot of people off because the show hasn't done a great job of setting up the point of view that maybe there shouldn't be a threat, right? Mm-hmm. And also their marketing has all been about who will win the game of right. like like it's March Madness. Like this is right. what they've this is the way they've been marketing this show all year. So people naturally have started thinking about the show in those terms even more than they already had. So uh, a lot of people aren't going to be satisfied with that ending and I'd be satisfied with it thematically but executionally no they didn't nothing can be there is no ending that we will get next week that will feel earned we'll get ones that like oh that that adds up on paper mm-hmm. but nothing that will feel like you know like these great series finales that we've we've talked about yeah and I think that's a good way to put it like the, the best we can hope for is that it ends thematically well even if the execution is not right has a lot to be left desired yeah yeah as opposed to shows that did both wrong like bowser <laughs> <laughs> well do you, i mean do you want to talk about clegane bowl before we uh yeah i mean i i thought that was fine like we already talked about it a little bit i think that the the fight itself i was hoping for a little bit more i mean i'm not mm-hmm. expecting like daredevil level choreography because it's not what the show is about but like i don't know these are two like big dudes with big broadswords like i expect a little more like of that I like that it got brawly at the end, um, but I, I could have, you know, maybe a little bit more like swordplay. And yeah, he looked bad. But yeah, 
I, 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 I think it was a big mistake to have the armor come off. I actually liked it. I was actually hoping that it would come off a little later in the fight. I mean, there's there's a big theory in like the books that like there's not a head under there. Yeah. Like because they they always say you can't see his eyes, you can't see you know there doesn't. Look and they like delivered a big ass skull to the Martell family. Right, and it's just like. That might be headless, which would have been a cool reveal of like, I mean, they've always been showing the guy's eyes yeah. the whole time, but like that would have been a cool, like knocks off the helmet, there's just nothing there, and it's a fucking headless corpse fighting him. Would not do a lot for explaining how he, you know, recognizes whatever, yeah. you know, but uh, I thought that like the end of it with, you know, him pushing him through the wall and going into the fire, like, I was okay with yeah. that. Yeah, poetic ending. Yeah, I mean, I think that it would have been a little bit more... I guess he knew. I guess I would have been like to make it a little more like he definitely knew he's jumping into a big thing of fire as a sort of character moment. But he guess he guess he probably would have known that. Yeah, and I think we every, also, everything's on fucking fire at this point. So we also in in the in the long night we had the he gets over his fear of flames moment when he mm-hmm. when he goes to save Ari. Yeah, you know. So we gotta get. Um, but yeah, I think that the mountain just the 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 effects were bad on him, and it just looked like a cheap mo- it looked like a cheap monster movie thing. Yeah, it looked like something from Supernatural. And yeah, he should have been like had yeah, holes in him and just like super even like to apply some CGI work to make him look super grotesque and stuff. Yeah, like, it, I would have been into that. Or it was just like it was it looked too much like um no mask Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. It just, it wasn't working for me, and I didn't like the way that it kept cutting away to Arya. Yeah. Because it felt like, because they kept, like, matching the action, right? Like, the Hound yeah, would yeah. get knocked into a wall, and then Arya would get knocked into a wall. And I was like, what are they trying to tell me? Yeah, I didn't pick up on any, like, meaning there. Yeah, it but, like... it, but you don't do those kinds of, like direct matching action parallels unless you're trying to say something or indicate like that they have some kind of like voodoo connection or something but it was just i almost felt like it was to make up for just sloppy action choreography and photography i would have liked to have seen more of like the fight between the mountain and the viper like you felt like it was these two this clash of two styles and right i don't know i would have liked to have seen more of a a zoomed out you know properly choreographed fight between these two not that it needed to be like a big ballet thing but yeah but like like you said they could have properly choreographed the two brutes fighting it like and, and to be honest like we haven't had like a 1v1 in a while yes. you know and like that was something that like you know once again the show is not about that no it's not but you sprinkle around once in a while you got some fucking swords you gotta have some 1v1s like that just comes with the territory man right and and by cutting away from the action and chopping it up you lose the visceral nature of the fight mm-hmm. and this should have been a visceral ass fight and there were many times because between the cutaways and just the way it was shot like I lost track of the action and who was where and who had the upper hand. And in a fight like this that is so symbolic of the overall conflicts of the show and so symbolic for the Hound, this character we care about, like we should have been there and we just stuck with it and we should have really felt it more. Um, but again, I think they I think they stuck the landing on the fight. I just wish that the whole fight had the kind of symbolism and emotional punch as the end of the fight. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, and, you know, I, I do feel like there was a little bit of a, you zoom out a little bit and you're like, you know, the Hound's quest for vengeance seems like pretty newly found and could use a little bit more like motivation for, but I mean, we know he hates his brother. Like we know he's always hates his brother, but it seems like he coexisted alongside of him for a very long time 
And I mean, maybe his time with the Brotherhood sort of showed him, you know, not only is he hate his brother, but he's evil. I don't know. There's just I think they could have done like a, a little bit more to make that feel a little more. Personal yeah, the story. I think and I'm not sure how much of my sense of their relationship is from <coughs> derived from the books, derived from the show. Yeah. Or derived from the internet. <laughs> like, I'm not sure what's what anymore. Yeah. Um, I feel like their rivalry has always been very clear to me. I do think it's weird that, like, well, they both worked for Robert Baratheon, but he did keep them separate. You know, generally, um, once the Lannisters formally took over, the the Hound was on, like, the personal guard, and the Mountain was generally out on field campaigns. Mm-hmm. And... It seems like the Hound's quest for vengeance really came in after the Battle of Blackwater when he kind of escaped from all that and kind of found his independence and started thinking for himself a little bit more, I think, Mm -hmm. and realized like, well, now that I'm not working for the Lannisters anymore and all of this, you know, he has this moment in the fires where he kind of sees through all the bullshit. And now he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to focus on what I want. And what I want is to kill my shitty brother. Yeah. Um, So I'm kind of okay with it. But again, I don't know if that's... but. The show might have have some tailwinds there from me just because I just maybe I've got too much of the books in my head for that one. Yeah, you feel very invested, which I, I'm the same way. I uh, I just I've always been like really even though his character is like incredibly two dimensional. I just always really like the mountain as as this narrative device. Right. Yeah. It's just like can huge and just like murderous and force of nature really and i was i just always really liked his role in the book it's just like he's not really seeing that often right like and that's what makes it even more interesting and you know the show it's, it's a lot harder to do that in a show i feel like because in a show where they're saying a lot of names and you just sort of like hear them i don't think people really until the until the fight with oberon like really understood plus they changed the actress three times yeah um and that middle one is not a good mountain um like that first guy was that left him that left a memory in people's head like when he chopped that horse in half yeah like that was the first impression that stuck right but um yeah i feel like you know just people mentioning like Clegane or mount the mountain or whatever like people are just like oh yeah some guy i don't i know some guy I've never seen in the show before or like never seen since that season one i feel like you sort of lost some of the connection where if you're a book reader you feel a lot more connected yeah because he's always at the edges and you hear the other characters telling stories about him and and where everyone's a lot more fragile in the books like you mm-hmm. feel like oh if one of our heroes runs into the mountain that's it yeah, <laughs> <dead>. <laughs> whereas characters tend to have more plot armor tv show so it's just like oh big scary guy whatever yeah. we've dealt with big scary guys right um do you think we get any other like major character deaths you know outside of danny and or maybe john in the last episode I think at this stage, the idea of deaths as plot twists has to go out the window because there's no more plot to twist, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's no more last minute. Like, what would really change the game at this stage? Yeah. I mean, if Daenerys died in the first 10 minutes, maybe, but then you don't have a lot of show left. Um, I think that um, for a lot of the characters that died in this episode, Jamie, Cersei, the Hound, um, we're closing their, closing their arcs, we're trying to, and removing them from the equation. And it was actually weird to think about this show now, like, oh yeah, Jamie and Cersei no longer matter. Like, they are off yeah. the board, they are no longer part of the equation at all. It's weird. Um, it might make for a better episode, because we only, we have, we should have a pretty focused yeah. episode, because we're not dealing with, you know, the remnants of a bunch of people's character arcs, or... yeah. 
Um, so I think that no, I don't think I don't think it's going to be some surprise like Arya died. And then, no, I don't think I think we're done with that because again, there's no more narrative value that those deaths can add. Um, and I think that any of these major characters were beyond the point where one of them is going to die just so that the that another main character can have an emotional epiphany. Yeah, because I think we're I done almost with that. thought I almost thought for a second there for a little bit that no. Like, I just thought, I sort of went, man, like, what would it be like if, you know, that whole uh, gauntlet that Arya went through did matter and she, you know, she died, like, didn't make it out of the city at the end. I was just like, man, like, what would that mean for, unfortunately, I think it would just come across, like, fridging for Jon. Yes. But, um, but I, for a second, I was just like, I do feel like that's something that, like, old show would have considered. You know what I mean? Maybe. Like, but, but yeah, I think there's no more, like, would that death have taught the audience a lesson? Would it have subverted expectations? Would it have, like, what would it have done narratively? It just doesn't make sense to, you know? Yeah, yeah. Other than checking the box of, like, oh, yeah, our people actually die in our battles. But you killed plenty of civilians. You had the mother and daughter, the featured extras, you know, Mm -hmm. to prove that, yeah, people die. I I don't think we're getting any more surprise deaths. Yeah, I agree. Um, How do you think the Azora highheads are feeling tonight? They're probably like, Oh well, now it's gonna come true. Where John's gonna, you know, plunge his sword into Danny and pull out light. Yeah, that's what's it's gonna, gonna come happen. out a flaming sword. Like, yeah, and then what? Yeah, and he's like, cool. This would have been useful like four episodes ago, and just chucks it over the edge of King's Landing. Yeah. <laughs> nope. uh, yeah, I, you know, I am curious if that has a bigger role in the books, but I don't. I think that it will be talked about and by certain characters who are into that kind of yes. stuff. But uh, I don't think it's actually, and it maybe lines up because prophecy might be a thing, but not. Not in the way that people no, want it to be. No, not in the way that people want it to be. Um, a lot of people they, they 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 invested all their Game of Thrones bucks into prophecies, but this has never been about prophecies. Yeah, and honestly, like very few things are because prophecies aren't easy to write stories. Like there, you don't no prophecy is going to be the uh, the major player of a story because like it tells you how it ends. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like I mean, you might have something in the mix, but it's always going to be a different take on it than you would expect or whatever. Right. Right. Like, Oh, he's going to bring balance to the force. What does that mean? Right. Like they're always going to be vague and kind of silly. So don't put a lot of stuff right. in. <laughs> but in, in standard fantasy, they come true in the end in George R. R. Martin's stuff. They don't because that's not the way his stories are told. Right. And, and, and again, like it's just, if you look at the books, there's no way that the prophecies can quote unquote come true because you got POV. Care. So the only way a prophecy can come true is if like, Jon Snow like says, "Oh, I guess I really was Azor Ahai." Huh? Like that's <laughs> how would it work? You know, because there's there's no omniscient third person narrator to confirm the prophecy was true. Right. I mean, you could you can have point of view characters attribute prophecy to people that may or may not line up in the way they view it. Right. Right. Just in the way that modern individuals. But then we just have attribute to, religion, different things. But we just have to take that point of view character's word for it. If Melisandre right. says that Stannis is Azor High, then we're like, okay, I guess. But then Melisandre's wrong, so we're like, okay, guess we can't take any of this prophecy stuff seriously. And then half the internet is like, okay, let's take it seriously. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think that there's. I was thinking today about like some of the major character mistakes of the show and sort of some of the jumping the shark moments for me and just thinking about like you know because a lot of this is people cry character assassination for danny or you know this isn't how go in the books or whatever and like you know there's there's a certain amount of uh like i said we have a lot of complaints about how it was handled but i was you know thinking back nostalgically about not nostalgically what's the opposite of nostalgia i don't know (laughs) 
Um, just like the the I was thinking about Euron and how much I fucking hate this character, and thinking about how other characters who didn't pan out how they should have, like Barris and Selmy, mm-hmm. is a big one for me. Um, and also Stannis, just like mischaracterized for me a lot of the, uh, especially like the latter episodes he's in, latter seasons he's in. Um, and like part of it's harder because we're not quite there yet in the book, so maybe he does do a lot more of a turn, but uh, just comes across so much more petty and yes. terrible in the show. Uh, even Melisandre comes across a lot more devious and plotting than initially. I don't know. I'm just curious. I, I am curious how when you do have maybe Greg, maybe someday there will be a complete series by somebody, not him. And when you sit down and really compare these two things, what'll be, like I said, when books are written and compare, like what'll be the points you'd be like, this is the point where we really had a like shift in this show. And is it is it all line up directly with Martin not being involved and not having this, the books to work off of any longer? Or were there other reasons behind the scenes that we weren't aware of that really caused the situation? You know, like you said, that, that these, the exposés will inevitable, inevitably come about how, you know, D&D hate each other. You know, what, you know, I mean, like, all these things happen, but... Yeah, <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see where it all kind of lands um, and just how far off the rails it got. And I also think it's going to be very interesting between now and if the final books ever come out, if if we know the ending from the show is George R. R. Martin's ending, <coughs> will we get to a point where people know where all the characters are and where the plot is at the end of book five, which is as far as the books have got. And it's very obvious that George R. R. Martin doesn't know how to get from the end of book five to the end of the series. And it's having a very hard time getting and, uh the show clearly struggle with that stretch so i think it's gonna be a big challenge for the fandom community to be like well can you connect the dots like how would you have gotten from here to there and all the interesting different paths that the story could take that can get you from there like just come up with the plot outline of how you get all these pieces in in line in order for the ending that we um so that'll be neat yeah i mean I'm not going to lie if I don't say I want to take a stab at it. I, I actually, out of curiosity, I went and I read the Wikipedia summary for book five to see where all the things are at the end of that. And I'm like, holy shit, I don't even know where I would end. Because there's a whole other Aegon Targaryen in those books. Oh my god, yeah. Just got to deal with that nonsense, that figure out where, what to do with all that. Um, Lady Stoneheart, there's something else you've got you've to you've contend with. Yeah, an extra ga- Greyjoy floating yep, around. Yep. Now you got two more Greyjoy brothers that um, now have important things they have to uh, deal with each other. Daenerys Multiple horns just, of potential magic powers floating around. Yep, Daenerys is just out in the out in the Dothraki Dothraki plains with just a dragon, just goofing around, pooping her pants, pooping her pants. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can sort of see things like, oh, okay, like you know. She gets picked up by the Kalasar, and that, that probably plays out pretty similarly to how it plays out. I know something must, you know, I, I think, I, you know, I can see the threads coming together. There's a couple things where just like from the show, you know, I mean, giving you some insight. Well, you know, she definitely seems to probably come over on a Greyjoy fleet. So it's probably, you know, maybe Victarion takes her over and he's sort of a interesting wrinkle in things because he helps her but hates his brother but you can have maybe like a great uh Greyjoy bowl with a clay game bowl I don't know you know um and the fa- other fact that like you know you are gonna have this I don't you know the, the role of Aegon or Phaegon or whoever he is like that's gotta be huge I mean he's got 
he's got the golden he's got the golden company right i don't know anymore i think it's the golden company i'm pretty sure it's golden company like he's got them that's who varus is supporting so i think that's sort of where you get some conflation you know some some streamlining that he goes to danny you've got dorn behind him he's already he's already in westeros at the end of book five so it is an interesting like it's just a whole plot that i mean i assume must amount to nothing if uh they just cut it from the show completely because they they didn't seem to do that with a lot of other things that probably could have used cut but like dorn and the Greyjoys and a lot of other things but uh it does make you feel like that's just a complete red herring right yeah i don't know maybe maybe we'll uh maybe we'll take a stab at it someday <laughs> or maybe not because i'm tired of fucking talking about the show oh, i know <laughs> i know it's gonna be nice so we could talk about other things again don't we maybe 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 all right well there's only one left only one left well i guess um well we're gonna have to figure out a, a special way to do it because uh you're actually gonna be on your way to your honeymoon when when this thing airs so whoops we're gonna yeah you really planned your uh planned your honeymoon wrong whoops uh yeah so um we're going to have to we'll have some sort of surprise. We'll, we'll do something. We won't leave you hanging. Oh, no. We would never do that we'll to our fans. we got, we got to come up with a, one of the things that we got to come up with is, is a name for our listeners. Um, like, so we got we got to put it out there. Like, you know, Slit and I has maggots. Uh, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Hello, Internet. You've already, has you've already lost me. You've already lost me. Should <laughs> have started. Has their Tim's. Should not have started with Slipknot on that one. <laughs> uh, what are some other good ones? Nope. What do they call? What do the my brother, my brother, my me guys call their fans? I think they just call them listeners. No, they have definitely a name for them. I'm pretty sure I've heard Bim Bambinos thrown out. But yes, I think that's that's, just that's a, a good joke. One. Well, jokes become what starts as a joke eventually becomes a you know no longer a joke. So, um, dear listeners, uh, think on it. Think about what you want to be called. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, I will not see you next week. I guess so. Enjoy the episode, though. Uh, I might. <laughs>